0: But in order for the brand to all of a sudden become known for something more than just racing, this, is, uh, this has been an, an achievement that I, I'm definitely proud of, looking back. And then, and then since then, that step into the touring world has really influenced a lot of the things that we've done since then in the Alpine world.
1: things i find fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands some of them are outgoing and energetic some of them are a little bit more laid back so in this podcast we look to explore all the different characteristics not only of the brand itself its roots its origins but the people behind the brand and is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand Well, hello, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to Legends of the Brand. This is Phil Gordon here with you, and we're chatting today with Jason Rowe uh, from Atomic, who's the business unit director for Boots, did you say? Yes, for Atomic Boots brilliant well uh welcome i mean you and i have a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a past in terms of skiing and, and life and everything like that but welcome to the show welcome to the program and thanks very much for taking some time out today to chat to us um but obviously i know you and i'm quite fortunate to know you but i wonder if you might be able to give everybody a bit of a background in terms of who you are and tell us a bit about your your story if that's all right hmm okay we'll see how far this goes yes happy to help <laughs> Um, so yeah, were you working as a waitress in a cocktail bar? Is that when I met you? That's or was it when the... we
0: first met. i recall. recalled. Brilliant, we just brilliant. Coming out of prison, then I
1: think. <laughs> so I mean, obviously, with a, with a uh, you and I don't have an accent, uh, being from the other side of the pond in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you grew up in Ontario, if I recall yes. correctly. And, grew up In um, London, Ontario. Nice. And where wh- your first ski hill was? Where My first it? ski hill was called
0: Ski High, which was literally five minutes down the road from where I grew up.
1: And uh, you didn't really have to worry too much about uh, avalanches there, if I recall correctly. It was, uh...
0: <laughs> no, it was uh, it was uh, actually in its earliest days, it was a garbage dump, if I recall. And uh, it was 90, 90 feet tall. And uh, eventually it grew to, I
1: think it was a little bit over 100 feet due to... Hold on, Tom. <laughs> More trash. <laughs> I remember my my mother referring to one of the places. Uh, not necessarily that that is uh, uh, Mount Trashmore. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> these places they're they're built out of uh, garbage dumps. But um, that is that your uh was that the first place you ever went skiing? Is that your the start of your skiing career there? That was where it all started. Actually, yeah, I was um,
0: I was lucky enough that uh, from an that I could go there, uh, on my own with me. And I would essentially spend every day skiing. Um, you know, so I would go to go there on the weekend. I think I would, the Hills opened at nine and there was night skiing. So I'd be there till 10 o'clock in the evening and I would probably stay right through. Maybe some days I'd go home and have some dinner and then I'd go back again and through the week, uh, I would go there after after school every day, so I'd be there at seven until ten o'clock every day, and I, essentially I skied every day wow. uh, through the whole. And how old would you
1: have been at that sort of stage?
0: Uh, I think it was uh, six when it all started, and uh, I wasn't obviously staying <laughs> was uh, at that <laughs> age. Say, parents uh, let you the whole six. the whole day, <laughs> but uh, no, I started early and. Uh, but i was you know i was absolutely nuts about the sport
1: and with that do you do you have a recollection of your earliest snow sport memory when you when you were there
0: oh definitely i can remember i mean things that stick out in your head is the
1: the first time you
0: get new equipment you know that was uh that was a big deal i remember shopping and uh you know obviously back then when we were when we were getting equipment it was a, it was a, uh uh more involved than now because you had a, a bag of uh, sorry a box of boots you had a box of bindings and then you had the skis himself and at that time there was just so much selection and the sport was so much bigger there were some more uh, more manufacturers and uh, the selection was really something um, so it was yeah that that day really stuck out in my head actually I think it was a birthday when I got my first equipment
1: and do you remember what uh, what, what products they were
0: I do recall it was actually, uh, it was a pair of Alan skis uh, back then. Uh, well, unfortunately, it wasn't my, it wasn't Atomic, it wasn't my first one. Uh, it was a Tyrolia binding. And uh, if I recall back, it was uh, a pair
1: of Nordica boots. <laughs> nice. It's funny, isn't it? I, I remember my first pair of skis. I remember the, the exact uh, day, my first time went a pair. It was uh, at the uh, uh, Loretto uh, Ski Hill um, in, in Ontario. I remember. It. And mm-hmm. uh, it was it was actually a pair of atomic uh, SLs in a 191, which is absolutely massive when I think about it. Um, they were, you know, hot pink and had some SVAR bindings on them. And they were just absolutely amazing. And I think it's, um you know, if you look full circle, I remember taking a look at at where the uh the skis are skis are made in austria and isn't it funny you, you think many millions of years later uh here we are you know you're uh, you're working at uh, at atomic and uh had the uh, you know obviously in the industry we're in i had the chance to go to uh, see the atomic factory and i th- i think it's rather poetic that uh if i recall correctly as the story goes that the um, the skis were made in the little town outside of Altmark, uh, which is Vogron And I remember driving past where the the first pair of skis that I ever had were manufactured. And lo and behold, here we are, uh, years down the road in the ski career, going past the place where your first skis were made. I think it's just rather poetic in that. And uh, but um, yeah, totally. But uh, Atomic has always kind of been in that 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 area. Is that right? In in uh, the the in Austria, it hasn't really moved, has it? No, actually, I live in the town where they started in Badrán, actually, uh, where it all kicked
0: off and not very far from where Alos uh who started the brand um, and made them in his essentially in his kitchen. Uh, and moved to
1: his garage and then had to expand from there. But that's literally a storm sort from where that's, I That's And do you, um, uh, I remember hearing a, a story once about uh, Atomic in terms of its quality, uh, at, which I think probably still holds true today, but um, it, there's a link with uh, the the logo in Mercedes or something like that, isn't there? Is that, is that true?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, obviously, at, at that point, uh, just like now, obviously, you're always looking around at the other brands and, and how they do things and how they how their products are made and uh, how they brand their products. And in that particular time, Mercedes uh, was very strong uh, when Alo started the company and uh, he admired the logo uh, from, uh, from Mercedes. And uh, at the same time, also the idea of, of atomic, uh, atomic uh, power was obviously becoming quite powerful or quite prominent then. And uh, so that's where the link came to. And obviously it was a bit of a, a challenging one because you know car manufacturers being as they are uh are not happy to see their logos show up on other products so there was a bit of a a, a tougher time there uh, and some pretty clear regulations and stipulations that came from from
1: mercedes and how we could brand our, our products then <laughs> but that's where the link started and uh that's kind of, I, I love that little piece of history there because there's just a uh, it's a not only nice connection, but, you know, people see logos all over the place, but and you can obviously see there's a bit of, uh, uh, there's some parallels with the, the two brand logos, but it's uh, nice to know that's kind of where it came from. And so as as the, the, the brand was developed and obviously you're still locally, it is obviously made with, um, you know, some fantastic, uh, you know, quality ing- ingredients, <laughs> quality, uh, uh, <laughs> a bit of sauce here and there. Um, but but the, the components that make up the the, the skis and, and the boots and everything like that um are there any kind of what you would consider non-negotiables with regards to the brand itself in terms of how it's um you know how it's portrayed and, and, and what the values are of the brand
0: i mean at the end of the day the the people that are behind the brand that are that are building the brand first and foremost i would say are, are part of the values you know, because we're all we're all diehard skiers, and and the products have to work well uh, in the application that they're they're you know that they're, that they're used for. So for skiing, so you know I think it's important that we as a brand are making uh, the people that are making products for skiing are skiers. That's a real uh, that's a real um, uh, a non-negotiable for us is that the people that are uh, that are making these things really understand the products and how they're being used. And at the same time, we also like to push skiing forward and you do that through uh people that love the sport you do it through racing obviously through that you you're able to uh develop better products not just faster products but products that are that are working better for uh, a larger audience and uh that helps quality um and so those those really are the are the cornerstone of it is is uh um, innovating in a space where uh with with people that really can bring the brand forward and testing it through racing uh, is one of
1: those ways that we're able to really uh, innovate. I mean, that's, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think one of the interesting things, which is a slight side note that you said about innovation and, and, and developing things, uh, is that obviously from your background, you've kind of got a very strong engineering background. So taking, uh, you know, your passion of snow sports and your passion of of, of racing and combining those things together, um, would you like to speak to the fact of how you've been able to combine those things together to to bring some of the innovation forward especially in terms of boots yeah I mean at the end
0: of the day I think anybody that that finds themselves, uh, themselves in these kind of positions uh, first and foremost you have to be you have to really love what you're doing I don't think uh, you'd, you'd find these kind of spots if you didn't and uh, it's important I think that you have this desire at the end of the day to, to to try to push the brain forward or, or kind of uh find a new way to to keep evolving it. And that was always I think that was always there from my side. And part of my education was uh you know, skiing every day as a kid through my teens and into my uh, early you know, into my late teens, um was probably part of my education. And then I was able to obviously go to school and and, and uh and study and in um engineering standpoint but it's always been kind of that desire to, uh, you know, to to push the sport forward and eventually having the position to be able to do that. Uh, that's been,
1: uh, you know, the real amazing part of this, of this journey, if you want to call it that. Is is there, um, in terms of pushing the sport forward and, and innovation, is there something that really gets you out of bed in terms of what, what is it that uh, in terms of the innovation that you like the most about, um, obviously not only working for atomic, but the, the, uh, development side of things for, uh, for, for ski boots. Um,
0: it hasn't always been the same thing, but I think you always try to come for, you know, I think typically a lot of people in these positions, you're, you're always developing products for yourself. And that's one of the, the cool things about it is that we're making toys that we get to go out and try. And I don't think there's, uh, too many positions in the world out there uh, or jobs out there in the world uh, maybe in the car industry where you can do just that your hobby is at the same time your job and uh, so i think at first when i you know when i came into this kind of role you know you're like you're trying to make products that allow you to ski better and allow you to feel things in a different way and then eventually maybe the more time you spend in these positions you figure out uh, who you're speaking to as a customer and how broad your audience is. And then you start to address and speak to more of the needs of those, of those other individuals that may not be exactly your own need. And that's where I think the job starts to, to get really interesting is that you're trying to address uh, the issues to make uh, the whole population um, interested in the sport and stay with the sport, whether it's trying to make products that are easier to use uh, you know, comfort is obviously always going to be a key component of of, of the products that I'm involved in. Uh, warmer, but I think we have to see it as as it's our job to try to make the sport um, as barrier-free as possible. That it's possible for somebody that's uh, you know in their retirement years and older to continue to love the sport uh, and do the sport. When maybe they're not as flexible and and mobile as they used to be, and I think those are the kind of challenges that I look forward to now in my in my career.
1: Is there a, an innovation that you've either developed or been been part of that you're, I would say, most proud of? Or I mean, it doesn't have to perhaps be dare I say the most commercial, but <laughs> but obviously you want to be commercial. But something you turn and say, "Wow, I'm uh, that that one that I'm I'm really stoked about because it's it's either made a difference to the 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 production of the product or to the end customer? Is there anything in there in particular that you're uh, you like to hang your hat on?
0: At the end of the day, you know, the products that come out of our our office uh, are really any of the days it's a, it's a real team effort because uh, a, the team is not very big and you really need to work together to be able to make these products. But um, you know, for us as Atomic, we always stood for, and if you ask anybody on the street, that's a skier, they probably think of Atomic and they think of racing. Mm -hmm. And that's usually the first connection. But for us to uh, become a significant player in the touring world, I think is one of the things that I'm quite quite happy with in terms of achievements that we've been able to take a, a brand like The Backland and start from scratch and become a, a very big player in the touring world. And through ski touring, uh at the end of the day, we weren't all of a sudden um, developing uh, products for uh, for people in the brand that were were ignorant of touring. We've always been touring. We just never made the decision to go that direction. So once we did do it, uh, we had a lot of people internally that absolutely loved the sport and the timing of it was actually quite good. And uh, But in order for the brand to all of a sudden become known for something more than just racing, this is uh, this has been an, an achievement that I've, I'm definitely proud of looking back. And then, And then since then, that step into the touring world has really influenced a lot of the things that we've done since then in the Alpine world products have become lighter uh, as a result and, and they're able to expand beyond their normal pieced playgrounds uh, into off-piste and be able to become more mobile. Uh, and uh, so that was a really important decision
1: and an important product in our in our livelihood, I would say. And um, I think that uh, I, I'd agree with you. The The fact is, you know, as as you've kind of taken some of the technology and and seeing some of the innovations you've had out of the backland, uh, you know, it's almost, uh, I would almost think uh, touring is, is a bit like the, the F1 of, of skiing, obviously of racing, but in terms of uh, an innovation area. Um, and kind of interesting to see how you see some of the plastics have been moved into, into perhaps slightly different products and everything like that. So, yeah, and it's, it's um, especially now in the time of, of COVID, I guess things like touring would probably be more popular, uh, maybe in this winter season. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I mean, we're seeing it obviously in our in our business that uh, there is one, there's no, you know, with the COVID situation, we're all probably feeling like passengers, mm-hmm. and if you're in the ski industry, um, you know, you're definitely feeling the same way. Not certain whether the ski resorts are going to be able to open, and uh, but the one thing you are certain about is the fact that you can still get out if there's snow and go touring and walk uphill
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and get into your favorite uh, uh, backcountry area. Uh, so touring is naturally becoming a bit of a boom, um, much like the helmet industry did back when there was some unfortunate, uh, serious accidents uh, uh, a few years back. And touring is going to benefit,
1: I would say, from the situation from COVID. Yeah, it's, uh, and if you, uh, as, as a, a company, as, as an area, I guess everybody's affected by by it as a, as a whole. But, uh, I mean, fingers crossed, you know, everybody will continue on to head, head out and be able to have a, a great snow sport season as it is. Um, is there anything in particular, Particular uh, if it was a, a, a dare I say normal winter, but are you looking forward to anything um, that you're excited about for the winter ahead?
0: <laughs> I mean, I finished the season last year. I think it was the 14th of March. I remember very, very well uh, sitting on the chairlift by myself, kind of like when I was a kid. I was the last one on the mountain as a kid uh, at 10 o'clock in the evening, and uh, here I am, the last one on the mountain as well. Um, Going down the hill, and I remember savoring that moment, uh, and stopping and taking pictures, and, and just and questioning, okay, when's the next time I'm going to get to see this? And uh, so I'm really excited. I've actually had a chance to obviously be up in the glaciers and testing since then. But you know, my own home resort uh, that I'm pretty fortunate to ski to from my for my door, I'm really excited to get back up there again and and, and see the mountain again, and uh, and and basically feel like that we've come through this whole thing. Obviously, the reality is that we're not quite through <laughs> it yet. Not, there, but, not uh, quite there. <laughs> but but it'll be nice to get
1: back up on the mountain again and do that. And do you uh, you mentioned about doing some testing? Do you how often do you get out to do testing uh, in a normal season? Let's refer to that.
0: <laughs> I mean, obviously, um, through the week we have testing typically going on uh, quite often. There's 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 peaks and times in the year where we're doing more on snow testing, and then there's more time where we're spending in the lab, uh, but uh, I would say any given moment when I'm up on the mountain, I'm testing something that could be coming in the future and putting miles on it. So that's kind of a, a perk of the job is you're always having a chance to do
1: something that is going to impact a product that's coming in the future. And uh, with all the skiing, do you, do you ever ski for fun? Do you, What would your perfect day be if you're just skiing always, for fun? <laughs> always, I always. Skiing is always, you know, it puts a
0: smile on my face every day. It's never felt like work. And I think that's probably the... the 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 best part of the job is that it literally is uh it's always fun for me and even on the shitty days i can think of where it's raining uh and you and i've had many of those days back in whistler um, (laughs) which typically saw a lot of rain but i still have i still have uh i can't imagine a bad day because the 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 worst day of skiing for me is always going to be better than the best day in the office.
1: Yeah, that's (laughs) true. And considering sometimes the mountain is your office, that's actually still quite good as well, isn't it? (laughs) Totally. So um, with regards to um, ski boots in general, um, what would you think, you being obviously kind of at at the um, looking after ski boots as as a whole, um, are there misconceptions that people tend to have about ski boots that... uh, you know, whenever you're once at a dinner party, you you have to dispel those myths. But what do you think are some of the big misconceptions about ski boots?
0: I mean, most people, you know, the one product that is has the longest life cycle or the longest, uh, uh, so like, spends the longest time in somebody's collection will be a ski boot. And that typically uh, is B, A, because obviously the purchase, uh, um, the price of the product is maybe a little bit more. But I think it has more to do with the fact that people uh, – don't believe that the, the next product they're going to purchase will be as comfortable as what they have now, or they've had such a uh, a bad experience breaking in the product they have now that they're not willing to do that often, or that they think that there's really nothing out there that is going to be superior than what they have now. So uh, that's probably the biggest um, myth that that people uh, are stuck in their head is that, um, the products that we're selling out, selling from from the stores now, is not better than what they're wearing, right and that is definitely amazing. Mm.
1: Do you have uh, Obviously, that's um, uh, I believe one of the, the the topics is like a first fit feel in terms of how that's going to uh, impact the customer. But do you have any um, tips for people when they go to to buy a pair of boots uh, that they you'd recommend to to kind of get them over that that hesitation?
0: Well, I think the first thing is to understand that we're a lot smarter <laughs> uh, than we were, you know, if, if somebody's still skiing around the boots that are 10 years old, then there's been an awful lot of learning since then. Uh, secondly, I think people, um, have to understand that we're most good boot fitters are obviously going to get a, are going to look at their foot and try to find the best fitting product for their foot. Uh, it's not one generic product that's going to fit everybody that doesn't exist. And in uh, the same time, if you go to the to the good boot fitter, uh, they will definitely uh, be able to to realize the right level of comfort for somebody. So um, much like when somebody goes out and tries a new ski, they're they're quite uh, blown away with the performance of of a new product versus say a straight ski or even something that's even you know five years old. How far the the sport moves on in such a short period of time. And I think it's just you have to have a little bit of trust that there is uh, there's a product out there that's going to work better than what you're using now
1: yeah I'd, I'd agree I think it's a it's a especially getting some boots fitted, but having that uh, that confidence and that trust and that uh, communication I think with your boot fitter or uh, you know the, the people you're working with to kind of explain if there's niggles, but uh, also then it goes both ways to turn around and say that it, you know the, the the there will be some uh, time where it's going to a bedding in process like a new pair of shoes. But we all know that after, you know, a few days, that that pair of shoes just feels like a glove. And um, yeah, I I totally agree with you with that.
0: Even that, I would say even that break-in period, people, uh, you know, boot fitters and manufacturers were a lot more aware about what's the best way to break in the product. And, uh, you know, so we can even provide that kind of know-how for people. But a a product that uh, needs to be broken in um and takes time is most likely something that didn't fit well in the first place yeah and uh and or if, or perhaps the foundation wasn't completely finalized meaning that you're a, you purchase a ski boot when in reality you needed a ski boot and maybe a footbed because the two actually uh usually work very close uh together in order to have the right uh, product yeah no, you're,
1: you're... <laughs> music to my ears footbeds I, I love talking about footbeds um and i think that they're uh they are the base they're the support not only uh figuratively but also in in your skiing um uh, ski performance and that uh, makes such a difference uh not only to your skiing but then if you perhaps use them in your day-to-day life as well but uh, that's a whole other topic that's a whole exactly.
0: other topic no but if you if you build a house you don't build a house on sand you know you have to build it on concrete and the house is going to stand up and and the same thing when you ski uh, you need to have uh, a good supportive uh, footbed that helps you, you know, your foot act in the way it should be. It has to be able to pronate. And uh, that's a, that's uh that's a non-negotiable as well.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think the, the nice thing about a lot of these things that we end up talking about is that there's a lot of science, a lot of engineering in the background, but ultimately it, you know, there, there is a technicality to it, but I think the job when you end up, you know, speaking to, a good boot fitter, or you go to a, a reputable, uh, you know, company, and you you're working with somebody. Is that they can condense that information and just make it down, make it nice and easy for uh, for customers mm-hmm. and for skiers, and people can turn around and say, right, my foot hurts here if I do this. Well we can make it we can fix it we can do that, but ultimately we're just trying to make everybody's day a little bit better on the hill and kind of you know make sure they have a smile and can experience a few things and uh yeah i definitely i definitely think that it's a, an important thing to to have that level of communication um yeah. you've uh, you've you've had the chance to ski pretty much all over the world um and ski with some pretty impressive people i mean i guess uh you know it's benny reich and and Dan Ralves and Phil Gordon, but uh, is there any uh, anybody? <laughs> yeah. Is there anybody who you've you've skied with who you've been uh, completely in awe with or a bit starstruck?
0: I mean, the men- the, the names you mentioned there, you know, are are obviously uh, the ones that come to your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, sk- skied uh, quite a few times with, uh, with with Benny and Darren and. And uh, on hill with Marcel, and uh, you know those people absolutely um, leave you speechless. Especially when you see you know a racer on on race conditions skiing on that kind of slope, and then and then the speeds that they're generating. So I'm pretty lucky to have a chance to to have those kind of people, um, you know, in our in our in visibility, visibility to those people. And that's obviously what's always impressed me. But obviously, there's also you know our frisky athletes, the the sages and the Chris uh, Ben Chattlers, um, you know it's it's, it's it's that group of people as well that I get inspired by, and even the ski touring people, you know the mountain attack uh, racers that you know you you cannot believe the the performance that these people put out. Um, so it's I, I kind of have a, a a really well-rounded um group of inspiring people that i I get to see. And uh, may not get a chance to be on the hill with them all the time. But, you know, one of those memories uh, is something that really lasts a
1: long time. That's really cool. It's uh, it's it's wonderful, isn't it? You know, especially when you get to a certain level that uh, you can you're inspired sometimes and you're pushed harder by people who ski at a different level to yourself. And it's not just skiing, whether it's cycling or running or anything like that. And it's kind of, I guess, amazing to be at that next level, isn't it, where you can ski with these world-class athletes that are, you know, they push you as, as much as, um, as, as themselves. And they're probably going at 50%, whereas <laughs> everybody else's on for dear life. I exactly. Imagine. No, but it's
0: been, it's been fortunate you know, obviously because I'm able to travel and I get back to, uh, to, you know, to Canada, mm-hmm. uh, into Whistler and, and ski with my old, uh, friends and, and colleagues that are, that are still skiing on a daily basis, and even that's great, you know, not to lose touch to that and to uh, also to be inspired by them as well because uh, they're also really in the front line and uh, it always feels great just to get out and ski with, uh, with buddies and, and, and rip it up still. And uh, that's what's great
1: about the sport. Yeah. So um, as we kind of probably look to, to wrap a few things up here, I have a few final questions for you, if I don't mind. If um, obviously Atomic as a whole... Um, if you were to, um, if you had a takeaway sentence or a phrase that encapsulates Atomic as a brand and, and how you want people to think about it, what do you think that would be? I think, you know, at the end of the day,
0: people should see us as, uh, as absolute diehard skiers that are making products for those diehard skiers, uh, and for those, you know, for anybody that does the sports and we are thinking about it 365 days of the year. And, uh, so I, I think if you're ever looking to find somebody uh, or some brand to trust, uh, to make a product that you're going to enjoy and not just, not just, the, the Marcel level of people and the Benny level of people are the, um the current world cup stars but um the, the mortals as well <laughs> you know that we you know that's that's all we think about and, and we're we're only interested in trying to make those products better and uh i would hope that people see that as as a uh, a quality and and um that they that they want to be close to and uh, and respect and understand that uh that's really what motivates us every
1: day Sounds good. I'll, uh, I'll ski to that. Um, what do you want your snow sport legacy to be? That's a good question. Um, obviously, it is nice
0: to know that you've, you've had some impact on the sport and where it's gone to. And, uh, you know, just like the products that I grew up skiing on when I was a kid that I can really remember, the ARC ski uh, was one of those products. Um, I would definitely... It'd be nice to be able to know that I played a part in in steering the sport in a direction uh, that uh was new for it. And I'm not sure whether that's happened yet, but I would love to be able to uh have some some part in that. But you know, I think what really for me still gives me a, uh keeps me on is even just having the personal contact of people that are using the brand and, and being exciting about that and seeing being excited about that singular product that they're using this is also enough for me. Um, cause, cause that does happen quite often. And, uh, and I can bring that information back to the team and, uh, and, and relay it, and that's, you know, that's kind of job accomplished. So uh, it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be the, the big things, the big legacies. It's, it's having people uh, every day out there using it and, and giving feedback uh, good or bad mm-hmm. is what really uh, makes
1: me happy. I say there's probably a sense of satisfaction as you ski around the, the hills and you probably go, you know, perhaps all over the world, and you see a product which you you've developed, and you've had a, a hand in in manufacturing. You turn and think, oh, yeah, you know, there's you know uh, Hawks Prime, there's a uh, you know Backlander that sort of thing. You kind of go, that that's kind of cool. You kind of walk up to him, you see that boot there. I I, I made that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is.
0: You're right. Actually, that is what gives you you know obviously anybody wants to be paid for the job that they're doing and, uh, and at the end of the day, you want to do a good job, but it is nice when you can see it on scale and you can see a lot of people using your products and happy with them. And uh, that's what, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, what that
1: nice little motivation that keeps you going. Cool. That's um, yeah, no, uh, I I, I think it's uh, something admirable to look at. So my final question for us is, um, Who do you think a legend of a brand is and why? It doesn't have to be snow sport. It could be anybody, but uh, who do you think a legend of a brand is and why? Well, legends,
0: obviously um, you can't declare yourself a legend. It just happens. And, uh, and when I think of legends of a brand, um, they're the ones that made a difference that they, they went above and beyond that they uh, their actions definitely um, resulted in me in sometimes even changing the, the course of, of history um, or their their performance uh, that's those are the legends of the brand and there's obviously a lot of legends within the tonic brand, um, a long list of those legends
1: uh,
0: that are obviously on the, on, the, on the racing side that those are the people that I think of
1: Cool. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I, again, I'd agree with you on that. I don't think there's, there's much dispute on that. But uh, I uh, I kind of want to thank you very much for for your time. I know, obviously, you're a busy guy, um, and uh, there's lots of things going on. And uh, I appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. Um, um, but if people want to find out more about you, people want to find out more about Atomic, about Boots, uh, anything like that, how do they go about that?
0: Well, obviously... Uh... You know you can find out uh, a lot more about atomic uh, from our from our web from our instagram and facebook uh, and YouTube channels um, you'll find out more about the products. I'm one of those people that is maybe a little bit more in the background, but of course uh, i'm on I'm on uh, Facebook as well I'm not usually that active about atomic there, but uh, if you ever have any questions about skiing. Um, I'm always reachable there and happy to talk
1: about it. And, and if you just happen cool to be skiing in
0: Vagran uh, and uh, in the area, then I'm always
1: willing uh, really to talk about skiing. Vagran's <laughs> kind of like the, like the secret. You don't want everybody to know about exactly. it. It's just fantastic. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. well, thank you very much for your time and uh, have yourself a great day. And yeah, I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. But thank you very much, Jason, from Atomic. Thanks all for today. Take care. Hey, just before you head off, thank you very much for listening to Legends of the Brand. Feel free to drop us an email at brand at gmail.com. That's legends with an S of the brand at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to having you back here soon. Cheers.